Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and we've been talking about for the past number of days anatomy of revival. What is it about revival? It demands the supernatural, and the doorway to the supernatural is being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that today. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. So glad to have you here today. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome. We're really glad to have you. I'm glad to have you here. And so I trust you'll be blessed today. We're in a series that have we've gone three times on today's the fourth in this series. We'll probably, yeah, we'll take it on through this week and into next. But it's on the anatomy of revival. And uh, you know, we've studied revival from books and histories of revivals, but I think the best place to get the anatomy of revival is from the Word of God. And we have that in the book of Acts. We find revivals, whenever Paul came to place, a revival would break out, but never the description and the lead up to it and the progressiveness of revival as we do in the end of chapter 18 of Acts, all of chapter 19 and chapter 20, we not only start with the seeds of revival, how revival breaks out, how it multiplies, then in chapter the end of chapter 19 into chapter 20, how it ends. Because there is an end to revival, but doesn't mean that, that, you know, the work of God's over. No, revival is that great push that gets it going. Then once it gets going, the revival part backs off and this thing continues on its own. And so we've come into chapter 19. We've talked about chapter 18 for the past numbers of lessons and how that Paul came while he was in Corinth and uh, he met Aquila and Priscilla. And then they went on to the next city after that, which was Ephesus, which is close. I mean, they're still basing themselves in Corinth, but Paul now goes to Ephesus. And as his usual custom was, he went into the uh, synagogue to teach to the uh, to the uh, Jewish people that were there, left Aquila and Priscilla outside because they were not that comfortable around Jewish people and especially Jewish uh, uh, theologians. But Paul was, I mean, this guy could talk with the best of them. He went in there and he found something different this time. They loved it. And they begged him to stay. In fact, he had to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. They begged him to stay. This had never happened before. After a couple of days, they're kicking him out, cursing him out, throwing him out in every city he goes to when they find out he's there to talk about Jesus. But there was a hunger among these Jews like Paul hadn't found. And they even, they said at the end of, they begged him to come back. He said, tell you what, if it's God's will, I will come back. And it is God's will. Chapter, chapter 19, he does come back. But between the time Paul left and the time that Paul came back and he was gone for a number of months, Apollos came. Apollos was absolutely wonderful at witnessing to Jewish uh, people and especially those in the Jewish ministry, the Jewish religion. And Aquila and Priscilla were left there and they became friends with Apollos. And Apollos taught things to them they didn't know and they taught things to him he did not know. And again, this is what happened. Paul never saw Apollos, never met him. While he was gone, Apollos came, ministered, and then left and Paul came back. And so again, Apollos, here's the point of it. It said in chapter uh, 18, the end of it, Apollos knew everything up to the baptism of John. So he knew how to get a person saved because John taught about this is the Lamb of God. Here he is. This is introducing him. And he was the voice of God crying in the wilderness about the way of Jesus Christ coming. So he introduced him to Jesus, faith in Jesus for salvation. But John the Baptist never lived long enough to see the coming of the New Testament time. From the day of Pentecost on, when all this doctrine 
doctrine changed and a new doctrine was introduced. Oh, salvation was still the same. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but man, the results of it changed. Now you're a child of God. Now you're in the family of God. Now you're an individual priest with God. There's the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the five offices of preaching, all the other offices found within the congregation. I mean, all these wonderful things that happen that was ignorant of in the Old Testament, all started on the day of Pentecost. And of course, Paul came teaching these things. Aquila and Priscilla knew about them, but they never saw a man so gifted as Apollos was to lead Jews to Jesus Christ. So they introduced him to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the teachings of the New Testament, and then Apollos moves on and Paul comes back. And when Paul comes back in verse one, it says here of chapter 19, this is where the revival is really gonna kick off. It came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. We could say he returned it to Ephesus and found certain disciples. Now, disciples means these people were not sinners. They were already saved. You don't call sinners disciples. Notice what happened. It says in the next verse, and as Paul was talking to them, he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit uh, since you believed? Now, the Greek again brings out when you believed, but Again, it's when you believed or since that time. The word can be taken either way. He simply said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what he's pointing out to is apparently not. And since that time, you haven't received him. Why? Because Paul, as he's talking to them, realizes they are born again, but they knew nothing past being born again. They didn't know about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about speaking with tongues. They didn't know about the gifts of Spirit. They didn't much know much about the supernatural, but they had truly believed in Jesus and Paul ran into a wall with them. He couldn't get past this and he asked them this, have you received the Holy Spirit since or when you believed? They said to him, we haven't even heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And so again, the Holy Spirit is received again in his fullness after salvation. They did, when he said here, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? They could have said, well, yes, he lives in us and he's with us. Well, Jesus said that. He said, the Holy Spirit who is with you shall be in you. But they didn't know about there's one that Jesus introduced the day before he left. And that was, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. There's a third ministry of the Holy Spirit, and this is the one they haven't received. This one is for power, and this is for the miraculous. This brings a tremendous change in your attitude toward evangelism, because now you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, cast out devils. And this is something that is done mainly by spirit-filled Christians. So, now look with me at verse three. He said to them, then to what were you baptized? Notice what they said. They said to John's baptism, boy, does this introduce something. These people were saved under Apollos' ministry because this is what Apollos knew. Apollos knew everything up to the baptism of John. And they said, we've been baptized in John's baptism. Paul still didn't know this was Apollos. He just went, huh, okay. So these men had been born again under the ministry of Apollos when he remained in Ephesus for a short time. That was back in chapter 18, verse 25. Then Paul said, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance. You guys have truly been born again. You guys have truly accepted Jesus, saying to the people they should believe in him who should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Here's the point of it. John the Baptist was here and his ministry started 
and ended with the coming of Jesus Christ. Once Jesus Christ came, John said, he is going to increase, I'm going to decrease. I've done my part. So again, this ministry of John the Baptist brought people to the new birth and also to water baptism. This is found in all in Matthew chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 11 was where Jesus was baptized, and Jesus pointed out, this is a symbol of what can happen to you, and then Jesus, again, was filled with the Holy Spirit at that point and began to operate in signs and wonders and miracles. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is now the doorway into the church age, the dispensation of grace, and again, the supernatural. And so these who are there that uh, Paul's going to lay his hands on, they're going to learn, as did Apollos, of a specialized dispensation we live in today. Look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The baptism of John was different than the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of John introduced people that Messiah was coming. And when Jesus came and he baptized him, it was to bring Jesus into his ministry. Jesus began his ministry with water baptism. But the water baptism we have today is what has happened to you, not about what's going to happen to you. You have been identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, which was all after the time of John the Baptist. So again, as, as now they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, it, it introduced the fact, I went to the cross with him, I died with him, I went under, I was buried with him, I was quickened with him, brought back up to newness of life to now walk off in the new things of God. And that's exactly what happened. So again, although they had already been water baptized, they didn't understand the New Testament significance of it. So Paul had them baptized again, this time in the name of the Lord Jesus. I have no problems with people being baptized a second time. In fact, if they came out of a church where they thought that infant baptism or sprinkling or something like this, when in the New Testament, they were actually went under the water to represent going under the ground with Jesus Christ, being buried with him, dying with him, being quickened with him, resurrected with him, walking in newness of life with him, that's why they need to be baptized again to understand the significance of water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save you, but water baptism shows to all those watching around you, I truly have received Jesus and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to show you I have been born again. And listen, in the days of Jesus, this was so significant because to say you had been born again was really almost a death sentence on your life. To be water baptized was saying, I not only believe it, I not only tell you with my mouth, I'm going to go and do this as the Bible has commanded to show to you, I believe in Jesus Christ. And then to walk off in newness of life means I'm walking off also from the religion I came out of, or the sinfulness I came out of, or the non-religious background I came out of. Now, being water baptized, they can apply the act of baptism to the new birth, positional truth in Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and themselves attached to it, identification in verse six, notice this. And then after their water baptized, Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Notice this. This is the essence of the book of Acts. Signs, wonders, and miracles. And in the beginning of the book of Acts, chapter two, we have this initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit on those that had already been saved. They had received Jesus they were now had the Holy Spirit uh, in them. The Holy Spirit traveled with them as their friend, their companion. 
And now he comes upon them for power. It happened in Acts chapter two. Those that had already been born again were now in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and came upon them. And when he came upon them, they spoke with other tongues. This happened in the house of Cornelius later on in chapter 10 in the city of Caesarea, that these were Romans. They, these were Gentiles that all met together. And Peter came and spoke to them, brought a team with him from Jerusalem and from Joppa where he was staying and brought them there to the to the place where they were. And these men all witnessed the fact that these men got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and said that as Paul spoke the word of God, they believed on him while they were speaking while he was speaking the word of God. And then suddenly it said the Holy Spirit fell on them. There we go. I'll go again. The word on. He, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. It happened in Acts chapter two. Here in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they spoke with tongues and glorified God. And not only so, but the Jews that came with Peter said, this is the same thing that happened in the upper room. So these men not only got born again, but they spoke with tongues as the Holy Spirit came upon them, giving them power for service. So these men spoke with tongues. Then they moved into the utterance gifts. Here in chapter 19, they begin to prophesy. Notice what happened. Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Notice they were already saved, even water baptized. But after that, now the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I'm gonna point out three things that we have right here before the break. Number one, Paul laid his hands on them. That was Paul's responsibility. Then the next thing that happened was the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's not Paul's responsibility. His responsibility was lay hands on them. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them. The next part's up to them. Paul, the Holy Spirit, and them. Now they spoke with tongues and prophesied. This is how I lead people into the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I simply tell them, I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna lay hands on you. Next of all, the Holy Spirit will do his part. He will come upon you. The third part, you speak with tongues. I'll see you right after the break. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bobby Anion explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. 
Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let's get back to verse six here in chapter 19 of the book of Acts. And while we're looking at that verse of scripture again, let me just say thank you to the team members that are with me out there. And what was brought out in the in the earlier verses was that Paul said over in 1 Corinthians, he said that uh, Apollos and I are one. And he didn't mean we're one person. He didn't mean they had the same ministry. They formed a team. And I have a team around me and they're, they're literally those that support me in this ministry and they are partners with me. No two of us are the same. No two of us have the same ministry. Even if we have the same office, we don't apply it the same. We are individuals, but as individuals, we make up the body of Christ in a team. And my team around me helps me to get this ministry out there. Listen, if you identify with this in your heart, you may see things that you disagree with. That's not the point. Do you like the ministry? Does the ministry speak to you? Does it resonate on the inside of you? Because there's ministries I support that, listen, I don't agree with everything they say, but you know what? I agree with their call. I agree with their mission. It just resonates in me. It's my heartbeat as well as their heartbeat. If that's who you are, join me as a team member, would you? Join me as a partner. Go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there on my face page where you can become a partner with me, joining with me in this ministry. And I appreciate it so much. And in fact, I thank you ahead of time. In fact, there's some of you that have known it for some time. The Spirit of God's already told you you're supposed to be part of this ministry and you just keep putting it off. When are you gonna respond? When are you gonna get with the program? Let's do this because there's more things I wanna do, more places I wanna minister, more places I wanna open up this ministry in. Would you join me as a team member? You may never see all the results here in life, but you will certainly see them in heaven. So join me. Thank you so much. Verse six says again that Paul laid his hands on them. Them are those that came under from under Apollos' ministry that knew everything up to the baptism of John. Now that they have been water baptized, understanding what it means in the New Testament, now it says Paul laid his hands on them. That's Paul's part. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's the Holy Spirit's part. The next part was up to them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. So these men spoke with tongues, then moved into the utterance gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is prophecy. Listen to me carefully, okay? There's the new birth, then there's the infilling of the Holy Spirit, okay? That's two major things that can happen to you. Listen, this one gets you into heaven. This one helps make you a disciple, okay? That's what they're for. This one over here, being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues, does not take you to heaven. In fact, you don't have to have it to go to heaven, but you need the power of God in your life to enter into the supernatural in your life to help win people to Jesus. It's all part of witnessing. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. Witnessing is supernatural. It's not memorizing four points called four spiritual laws. It's not memorizing questions they can ask you and here's the answers to them. No, it's walking out in the power and the and the and the result of trusting in the Holy Spirit so much that you walk out going, Holy Spirit, I'm not even gonna think about what I'm gonna say. When I meet a sinner, you're gonna talk to me and I'm expecting the gifts of the Spirit to flow through me. The new birth introduces you into the fruit of the Spirit. It's the doorway into the fruit and the nine areas of the fruit of the Spirit are for character. So the most important thing after you're born again is start to develop character. But the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the doorway into the nine gifts. 
and you understand that because this doesn't bring you into the gifts. This doesn't bring you into the new birth. This brings you into the new birth and then brings you into the character development of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, all those things are given to you. But in this, we have the gifts of the spirit. Notice this, that when these people begin to speak with tongues, these 12 uh, people that Paul met called disciples, They were truly saved. These men started speaking with tongues. Then they moved into the utterance gifts of prophecy. Speaking with tongues is the evidence and the manifestation of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And revival could not truly begin until the 12 were filled with the Holy Spirit because apparently after this, since it said certain disciples, when you find the word certain in the book of Acts, it doesn't mean that these guys are somehow special. They were used in a special way. Apparently with that word there, he found certain disciples. They were key in the revival after this of working with Paul, even though we don't hear about them later. When you find there was a certain man named Apollos, okay, there was a certain man, you know, a certain woman or whatever, that means they're going to be instrumental in that area of where Paul is in helping the ministry of the Lord. And we probably won't understand the word certain until we get to heaven and talk with these 12 men that received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, spoke with tongues as to why the book of Acts called them certain. So revival could not have taken off under Apollos because revival always begins with an understanding and a revelation of the Holy Spirit and especially of speaking with tongues and the introduction into a supernatural ministry. Revival is supernatural. The doorway into the supernatural is the infilling of the Holy Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues. Now, some of you out there may be saying, I don't know this. I've never heard this. I've never been taught this. All I'm saying is we're taking this verse by verse and we apply so many other verses to it. Notice this in verse seven, all the men were about 12. The Ephesian revival began with Paul, Apollos, Aquila and Priscilla, then a core of 12. There's always a small group that starts and from there it begins to spread. Notice what it says in verse eight. Paul goes back into the synagogue. Man, great things have been happening in the synagogue. He comes back and they welcome him in and he's there for three months. And after three months, what three months? Can you imagine? Paul has never stayed in a synagogue for three months. Man, three days was about the limit. They would kick him out and then, you know, say bad things about even try to form, uh, you know, conspiracies against against him because they hated him so much, but not in Ephesus. There was a hunger within that synagogue and many during these three months he's there are going to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and assist in the revival. Look at verse eight again. And when he, that is Paul, went into the synagogue, he spoke boldly. This means great confidence. He came in there before, but now he knows exactly what he's facing. There's a huge group in here with have an open heart toward Jesus Christ. It says he spoke boldly for a time of three months, disputing. The word means debating and persuading, which means influencing the things concerning the kingdom of God. He met some resistance, but he countered it with the New Testament teaching. And even with Old Testament teaching, which pointed to New Testament teaching, Paul knew this. He was able to captivate and speak to these Jews. So the time was right. Paul had told the new converts in Ephesus he would come back if it was the will of God. This was back in chapter 18, verses 19 through 21, and the will of God is now yes. And Paul returned with a confidence he didn't possess the first time. His words are more anointed, his audience is more receptive, and he's never stayed in a synagogue for three months with this much success with the Jews. Now, three months 
before he's finally removed and he's gonna take a core of them with him for this revival. Notice what it says in verse nine, when certain ones were hardened, there, there's always unbelievers that the more they hear the gospel, the harder they turn against it. Again, Pharaoh was one of these. That The more he heard, the more he saw, he just got harder and harder against God to fight him. And this is what happens often with religious people. But so many of these religious people, which is just uncommon in this particular synagogue, were now believing, but certain ones in leadership got hardened and they did not believe and started speaking evil of the way before the multitudes of people outside. They would go outside to these uh, Greeks. They would go outside to these Gentiles and begin to talk about this. But let me tell you what, their arguments will stand nothing in front of signs and wonders and miracles. There's nothing about that can tear down a, tear down a, a, you know, an antagonist, someone that wants to gripe, someone that wants to argue, someone that wants to spread bad things. There's nothing that will stop them quicker than some blind man receiving his sight, some lame man suddenly walking and leaping and praising God. And so again, when they spoke evil of the way before the multitude, Paul left them and separated the disciples. Notice this, a bunch of people have received Jesus and these are Jewish people from the synagogue. He separated those disciples and then went and disputed daily in the school of a man named Tyrannus. Not everyone received Paul's message. Some hardened their hearts. The more they heard, the harder they got. And not only did some not receive, they even set themselves in opposition to the word of God. You know what, things are no different today. David called this person a scorner in Psalm 1 and verse 1. Paul went to the Jew first, but left when they finally rejected. And the rejection got so bad that they began to talk bad about him out of the streets. That's when he finally left them. And he now sets his sights on the Gentiles. Because why? This particular city, Ephesus, is a Gentile area, strong in Gentiles. And the school of Tyrannus was a medical school. Here's the point. This medical school had students that learned in the mornings and the building was left empty during the day. So Paul used this building during the afternoons and the evenings for two years. This will be Paul's most successful base of operation since uh, since uh, he started his ministry and even afterwards, there has been no revival like the revival of Ephesus. That's why the book of Acts uses it as teaching on revival, what I'm calling the anatomy of revival, how it starts with just a couple, three people. They work together. They see some success. That success turns into 12 that meet Paul. Those, those 12 open up a door for Paul to get back into the synagogue. Now multitudes start to come. And now Paul has gone to a building that he is now going to use, whether he rented it or not, or whether they just gave it to him, I don't know. But Paul began to use this building for two years and it becomes a successful base of operation. So this school of Tyrannus, let me just talk to you about it for just a moment. The school of Tyrannus was a medical school. Tyrannus was one of the best known uh, physicians in his day, and he had a school and he taught students there. And so again, it was, it was open in the afternoon, so Paul went and used it. Listen, the church that, that I pastored for 33 years began in a, in a junior high school in Tulsa. We looked for any facility we could get. It's actually started before that in a little building. And this is where we ended up. And for some two or three years, we used this school building. We used the pool to water baptize people in. We used the main auditorium. We rented that thing. Churches start with all kinds of things. And who gives a rip what kind of building you start with? You don't have to start with a church building. And after a while, we built our church buildings one after another. So the point of it is it comes back to it. The Bible's even filled with whatever you can find 
go find it. And if you can only find a, you know, some kind of cheap building, go rent yourself the thing. People might gripe there's not a good children's ministry. Just tell them, hang on, we'll get there. But in the meantime, like your first house, it wasn't the greatest house of all. In fact, you might even drive back and look at those first houses you had, drive by them and go, thank God we're no longer there. We thought it was the most wonderful house when we first got it because it was our first house. And now you begin to see how much that you have progressed in life. This is the way it happens in churches too. So again, Paul used this building during the afternoons, in the evenings, and for two years, this again is gonna be Paul's most successful base of operation ever. Look at verse 10. It says, this continued for two years so that all those who dwelled in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jews and Gentiles. This revival is gonna spread throughout the Roman province of Asia. And later on, they're even going to say, he who has turned the world upside down has come here also. The continent of Asia was shaken because of the gospel, signs, wonders, and miracles, and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are going to be born again. And it ended up later on, the church at Ephesus was the largest, most successful church in the New Testament, numbering between 70, 80, 90,000 people meeting in homes everywhere. From that one church, six other churches started, which are the seven churches of the of Revelation 1, 2, and 3. From there came Pergamos, Thyatira, all those other ones that started came out from under the church at Ephesus. Not only were the people winning souls, but the church was starting other churches in the area. Wonderful things. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.